Aren't you a little old to be here? She needs modification. No walk-ins. Appointment only. This woman is about to die. Well, you should have started with that. Again, Bucketheads, Mavar Tigar, welcome to the 125th Bounty Hunting Recruiting Episode, Bounty Hunting, Bounty Hunter Recruiting Episode of Mandavision, Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is, of course, via social media. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. And make sure you're liking, subscribing, sharing the show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. How the heck are we doing, Bucketheads? Happy Boba Fett Wednesday. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this podcast, you uh, you, you have watched, possibly rewatched, digested the latest chapter in the book of Boba Fett. And uh, we are here to discuss. And... One of the things I'm very happy about with this week's episode is I don't have to start off uh, upset and, and emotionally volatile <laughs> as I did last week's Boba Fett show. Because, luckily, uh, this episode seems to have... Uh, it, was, it was a salve, I guess, for the, for the burned, hurt feelings of so many other watchers of the series. And don't get me wrong, there's plenty of haters on the show still. Uh, but they they have been uh, they were quieter than they were last week for sure, and I always like that very very much because again, this is a show about positivity in Star Wars fandom. We are trying to be uh, the bigger person, if you will. You know, it's again, it's okay to be critical and to not like certain elements of, of the Star Wars that you're seeing, but uh, let's let's talk about it rationally, maturely, and and uh, you know. As, as friends should, right? You know, not attacking each other and calling the creators of the show names and coming after them on social media. That's all gross. And we don't do that here. We don't support that. We don't condone that. And that's not what it's about. So, yes, I'm excited because this episode... Again, I enjoyed last week's episode just fine. Are there things that I, that, that I, could, that I didn't like about it? Of course there were. We talked about them. I shared some of my, my feelings on them. By and large, still liking the show. Still loving the show, honestly. Still loving the show. 
it's it's still getting I'm still getting a Boba Fett television series, which if you told me even two years ago that I was gonna get a Boba Fett show, I, I don't think I would have believed you. I don't think I would have thought it was possible. But now we live in a world where anything is possible. And <laughs> isn't that nice? Uh, so yeah, let's let's uh, let's be excited. You know, I, again, we we can we can comment and critique the the Star Wars that we get nowadays, but we we just have to do it in an appropriate fashion. We don't have to be we don't have to be jerks about it. And I guess that's all I'm really trying to say. So let's talk about it. Today's chapter four, the Gathering Storm, which if you're a fan of the Expanse novels, uh, you you might recognize that as the name of a ship from the Expanse series. The original air date for this chapter today, January nineteenth. 2022 our plot it's a, it's a heavy one so so sit down hold on okay as I, as I read this boba fett partners with fennec shand brief and to the point this episode is uh, directed by uh kevin tanchiroen i hope i said your name correctly sir uh he's done a lot of television work uh he did uh he's been, he did some episodes of agents of shield i think he did the, the 2009 fame movie uh, uh, there's a Mortal Kombat short in there as well, uh, so he's he's got some chops. I think he did some episodes of Hellstorm, Hellstrom, Hellstrom, on on the Hulu. If you're a fan of that stuff, and uh, so yeah, but this is his first entry into Star Wars, so we support that, right? Like more directors and doing Star Wars means more episodes of Star Wars shows, so that's okay. Our main cast this week once again: Tamara Morrison is Boba Fett, Ming Na Wen as Fennec Shand, Matt Berry is 88, Carrie Jones is Black Crescenton. Jennifer Beals is Garza Whip. Marlon Aquino is the Twi'lek server. This just goes on and on. Uh, the characters who aren't in there. Phil Lamar. The great Phil Lamar is the Klaatuinian boss. Uh, we got Frank Grigg and Conheim is back as the Gamorrean guards. Matthew Wood as Bib Fortuna. And, and, and that's only like a briefest of, of cameo flashbacks. So I'm not, you know, I'm not even sure how Matthew Wood got full credit for that. But hey, whatever. Matthew Wood's a good guy. We like Matthew Wood. So let's give him credit where credit's due, I guess. And then... Uh, the, the the cameo towards the beginning of the episode, you know, where I was like, I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to know who this is, but I didn't. So so when I saw his name in the credits at the end of the episode, I, I did have to do a, a little bit of a Google dive into just exactly who is Stephen Thundercat Bruner. Uh, and apparently he is a, quite the accomplished bass player. Uh, he's played with, with uh, such music superstars as, uh, as uh, Kendrick Lamar. Uh, let's see, Childish Gambino, uh, so many, many others. And apparently he's a Grammy award-winning uh, bassist on his own as, as a solo artist too. So uh, yeah, that's quite accomplished. And I wonder if, if that's actually uh, maybe some of his ba- slap in the bass that we hear in, in, the, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the modification parlor. Uh, I didn't get to check that part out. I meant to follow up on that and I didn't. But I, I think it's a fair assumption that maybe he contributed in some way that musical score that was that was playing uh so yeah there we go there's our main cast and i think it's probably that time to really get into the episode proper uh but before we do that i do have one quick quick announcement and i just want you to be be prepared uh there is a possibility possibility that next week's uh book of bofet episode will not be out until thursday i don't know for sure but I wanted to put it out there just in case anyone was like, you know, it's like 8 o'clock on Wednesday night. And you're like, where the heck is it? It might be late. We're, I, I'm still trying to get my uh, head around that I, that one or not. There's a few things going on. I've got a few things to juggle, a few plates to spin. But we'll see what we can happen. But the, at the very latest, Thursday. All right? All right. So you know what we're going to do now. It is 
the, the quintessential moment for this podcast. It's time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. Who are you? I am Boba Fett. Boba is dead. I was left for dead on the sands of Tatooine. Like you. So once again, this episode picks up with Boba in the back to tank and flashing back to, to fill in those gaps of between Return of the Jedi and his return in The Mandalorian. And now we are much more, uh, we're doing a lot more catching up to, to current timeline, to the current timeline, I should say. But I still, I still have questions about this timeline. And I, I, I guess the thing I need to, to, that I would like clarification on, but I'm not sure if, if, if we will get and perhaps you uh, wonderful listeners may have more insight into this than me, and, and by all means, please share. But I guess, I guess where, I'm, where I'm sort of stuck, you know, we, we've talked about how in The Mandalorian it's roughly five years post-Return of the Jedi, right? That seems to be the consensus. I've not come across any material suggesting otherwise to this point. Um, and again, if, if, you, if you all know something I don't, please share. I would love <laughs> Correct me, I'm, I'm A-okay with this. Uh, because... This this makes me ask the question, well, how long was Boba in the Sarlacc? I assume he couldn't have been in there for too long. Uh, you know, that those digestive acids, they were doing some damage. So he must have been in there for a bit. But, I mean, are we talking weeks, months, years? Not sure. I mean, again, slowly digested over the course of a thousand years. So Boba being in the Sarlacc pit for, for a, a, a quite a length of time is 100% possible. I, I guess I just would like a little bit more... Uh, in information on, on how long was he in there? How long did he spend with the Tuscans? Because that's the next part of the question. If he gets out of the Sarlacc fairly early, fairly early on, how much time does he spend with the Tuscan Raiders? Um, and, and you know, I think it makes a bit more sense, of, narratively speaking, if he spends more time amongst the Tuscans, uh, because then we sort of understand his his uh, his guilt over what, what happens at, in the last week's episode. You know, he's, he's trying to help them uh, and he ends up getting them killed, and it's uh, yeah. I guess I guess those are the, like the main questions I want to kind of figure out. Kind of like I'd like to have this timeline a little bit more clearly defined, so I know like oh, Boba Fett spent three years living amongst the Tuscans. Oh, or Boba Fett spent four years. I was like, whoa, all right. So like, it also helps you kind of underline and underscore that sense of loss and that sense of guilt that he feels for for the way he views it as as getting them killed. Uh, so uh, I'd like to know a little bit more about that. I, I would like to have a little bit of a more clarity. But Star Wars timelines are always have always been uh, nebulous and vague, and they do that sort of intentionally. You know, we can we can look at that more more clearly with <laughs> with Obi Wan Kenobi. I mean, uh, you know, uh, it's been it's it's been almost twenty years since uh, Revenge of the Sith, and and uh, you know that's sort of like the timeline, right? That we're talking about with Luke. Uh, you know, from from Attack of the, uh, Revenge of the Sith to A New Hope, right? About twenty-ish years in between, uh, and he goes from looking like Hugh McGregor to looking like Alec Guinness. The sand, the, the those twin sons of Tatooine must just be harsh. That's all I can say for sure. So yeah, the timelines are a bit a bit nebulous, a bit rolling, a bit loosey goosey. But what can you do? What are you gonna, What are you gonna do? It, it's it's the way it has to be. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's, that's sort of my little. Uh, I don't know. And I guess I'm just a fan of timelines. I, I sort of like knowing the order of operations in which things fell. But this episode, again, catches, up to, uh, catches us up to the current timeline. 
we, we, we meet up with Boba riding his loyal Bantha across the, de- the Dune Sea, sort of wandering aimlessly, uh, when one night, after, after you know, eating some, some, some grub and feeding his, his, uh, his Bantha, we see, he see, or Boba sees flares in the sky that catch his attention, so he goes to investigate and comes, ac- comes across the body of Fennec Shand, catching us up to Season 1 of The Mandalorian, Chapter 5. We sort of knew this moment was coming, but now we get to see exactly what had to be done to save Fennec Shan's life. Boba throws her on the back of the Bantha and takes her to the mod parlor on the outskirts of Moss Eisley, where he throws down some coin, the coin he got from the Pike Syndicate, I believe. Or, wait, did he? Is that from the Pike Syndicate? He just had some coin on him. He got some money somewhere. Maybe he pilfered it from the, from the, uh, the, the biker gang. I can't remember now. I can't remember the... It must be from the Pikes, right? Because they looted that train. <laughs> um, anyways, he had some money. He pays uh, Thundercat to, uh, to, to do the mods, to do the repairs on, on a dying Fennec Shand and saves her life. She wakes up in the desert where we, we pick up with the conversation that they were just having. One of the interesting nuggets from this conversation that I'm not sure enough people are, are, are focusing on yet that I want to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, is right here. I'm going to play it for you right now. This is just this just picks up where we where we where we hit pause on the recording. So check this out. I was rescued by the Sand People. They took me in, treated me as one of their own. I tried to help them. Instead, I got them massacred by Nikto speed bikers. Speed bikers defeated Tuscans. That's highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. I like this very, very much because I think this is something we talked about last week. It seemed unusual that the Tuscans would be defeated so easily by this biker gang. And and now we have to ask ourselves the question, were the Pikes involved? Was Fennec Shan involved? I mean, she's a gun for hire. Let's not rule it out. Now, she, I, I would assume she would have been had to have been part of a posse if she was involved. But this puts a little bit more doubt in our minds because we also talked about Fennec's loyalty to Boba Fett uh, because we had questions as he was being choked out by Black Chrysanthemum last week. Like, where was Fennec Shan? She doesn't show up until the very, very end. You know, you would think she'd be a little bit more on hand, a little bit more uh, tighter on security at the palace. Black Chrysanthemum just sort of wanders in there and kills him. So, again, we sort of have to ask the question, is, is Fennec double-dealing a little bit? Is she, is she working for the Pike Syndicate? Is she working for the, one of the other families on Tatooine? I think these things need to be asked, but I also think it's very, very, very probable that these are red herrings uh, designed to get like sort of like internet conspiracy theories started on, on, on this very, very topic. But I think it bears uh, talking about, bears a discussion and, and, and keep it in the back of your brain. Like, how do you feel about it? Is Fennec's loyalty to Boba Fett rock solid? Or do you, should you not ever trust a gun for hire because ultimately they're out for themselves and for their profit? And, and you know, at the very beginning here, it seems very much that Fennec's only going to come along to help Boba Fett recover his ship. And then it'd be all good. But we also, Boba Fett also sort of lays out his plan for the future. Does Fennec really buy into it? She seems to have some questions about it. But later on in the episode, she decides to go along for the ride. So has she been persuaded? 
don't know. Or is she in the pocket of somebody else still? And she's going to braid this out. And then eventually when the time is right and the, uh, the money is right, she turns on him, betrays him, stabs him in the back. Uh, we will wait and see. Uh, but one of my favorite elements of this episode is Ming Nguyen crushing it as Fennec Shan, really getting a lot more more to do in this one uh, than she has had in prior chapters. So I'm a big fan of that. And and I, I liked seeing the beginning of this relationship. I also liked how they sort of underscored the fact that uh, when we see them in The Mandalorian, especially in Season 2, um, with the tragedy episode, uh, it's not so much that, that she's indebted to Boba Fett anymore. Like, yes, that's how it started, but it has progressed, and they are, at that time at least, equals. <laughs> so, like I said, maybe there's a turn coming, but uh, as far as like the debt is concerned... Uh, by by the middle of this episode, uh, the debt is considered paid, and she's just now going rolling with Boba Fett and seeing how this is all going to play out. So that's that's very interesting and very very exciting. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about before I move on from this section of the episode uh, is is the mod parlor. You know, we didn't spend too much time talking about the mods, the mod gang from last week. You know, obviously we addressed them; they're a big part of the episode. But I'm I'm sort of curious, like what kind of kid wants to do that to their bodies? <laughs> And you know, I guess if you're if you're into the uh, like cyberpunk stuff and and cyberpunk novels, maybe that that makes makes a bit more sense to you. But I the, the thing I sort of wondered and the thing I sort of questioned about it was is like, how do like desert kids from Tatooine have this kind of cash laying around? They can just put cybernetic implants all over their bodies. You know, maybe they're dealing spice. Maybe there's something going on more nefarious. I, you know, but this is like, you know, a lot of the material that we've read about life on Tatooine is that it's, it's harsh and it's hard and there's not a lot of money to be made. There's not a lot of profit to be made necessarily. But what do I know? I mean, there's, there's so many avenues of life on Tatooine that we haven't yet explored. I mean, maybe their kids are more crime lords. Maybe they're, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, some banking clan thing or something. I, yeah, who knows? I guess there's an answer for all of it. I'm just, it just sort of is, is a curious thing. And uh, again, it's, it's a weird choice, cybernetic modifications, but I guess why not, right? Why not? I don't know what kids are into nowadays. I still don't have a sufficient answer for why TikTok's popular. Uh, so, well, you know, I, I'm clearly out of touch with the kids of Earth and the kids of Tatooine, which is not surprising in the least. So Boba recruits Fennec to his cause, and it's time to go to Jabba's palace and, and try to recover what he has now coined his fire spray gunship, uh, because apparently we do not say Slave One anymore. It is a uh, canceled name, basically. And um, listen... I understand the, the, the negative connotations. I'm, I, I, I understand. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but I don't think calling it my fire spray gunship is the best idea. Uh, it, it does need to have a name. We need to figure that out. They need to workshop that and, and decide fair, uh, fairly. So they, they probably should have decided months ago, honestly. Uh, but yeah, Boba Fett just can't go walking around like, oh, let's go to my fire spray gunship from here on out. Um, that would be annoying. Uh, so this is actually the second time we're seeing Jab or Boba Fett scoping out Jabba's palace. We do see him at the beginning of the episode taking a look, seeing how many guards there are, seeing if he can get in, get get the the ship formerly known as Slave One out of there, and and he he walks away. Now that's the other part of the timeline that I, I guess we sort of have to wonder about after after leaving uh, after after doing the the funeral pyre for for the fallen Tuscan tribe. Has Boba Fett spent years wandering the Dune Seas with his Bantha? I guess that's another question we have to ask. Is like, is, is did he spend a lot of a year or two or more roaming the Dune Seas as as a lone figure on a on a on a Bantha? Uh, I guess we have to ask that question. Like, is this 
not the first time he's gone to Jabba's palace. And that's at the beginning of the episode. Now he goes back with Fennec Shand, and she has some technology with all of her, her fancy gear, and they're going to be able to scope out uh, where the guards are, how to access, where the tunnels are, the whole shebang. They're going to be able to form a strategy. Uh, but this gives, this gives us another, uh, uh, another moment for Boba and Fennec to, to chit-chat by a campsite fire because uh, what, a, what a great time to share your feelings <laughs> with the person who you just saved by modifying their entire uh, abdomen. And, and that's what, we, what happens here. So let's go ahead and, and check out this sequence here. Uh, I'm going to interrupt it at a certain point because I have a question. And I, I do want to ask it to the wonderful audience and see if we, can, if we can formulate an answer together, okay? Here we go. What's next for you? I'm going to find my armor. And I'm going to kill that bloated pig who double-crossed me. Okay. Okay. Obviously, the bloated double pig... Bib Fortuna. I I have questions about the double cross. I'm curious if it's related to the events of the of the War of the Bounty Hunters comic book series that recently came out, where uh, Bib Fortuna was a part of the of putting a bounty on Boba Fett for losing Han Solo's carbonite frozen body. But is is that the double cross to which he is referring to, or is there another event that we maybe we aren't privy to? Is there something that went on? maybe behind the scenes in Jabba's palace during the events of Return of the Jedi that we aren't privy to. Uh, I, I, I'd like to know a little bit more about this double cross. If there's anything else in the, in the, in the fandom out there, if, if there's something from a, uh, a book or a series that I've, I'm not aware of, again, please reach out and let me know. I'd love to know a little bit more about this, this double cross that apparently Bib Fortuna perpetuated against, or perpetrated against Boba Fett. Let me know more. All right, so let's get back to the scene with the campfire. Boba Fett's laying out his plan and, and his motivation for said plan. Uh, these are the things we, we did sort of wonder about. We sort of speculated on early in the this, in this, in this show's run. And now we're starting to get some concrete answers. So let's check it out. Take his throne. You want to head a Gatra. Why not? You're a hunter. I'm tired of working for idiots who are going to get me killed. Hold on. I was <laughs> I paused it right there because I did want to mention also that is a sentiment we have heard in Star Wars The Clone Wars from Cad Bane. Uh, so Boba Fett feels that as well. Cad Bane, uh, you know, a bounty hunter who's been around for a while at that point during The Clone Wars. Boba Fett has obviously reached that point with bounty hunting. Uh, you know, it is, it is a career for those who maybe don't intend to live a long life. And I think Phoenix is, is going to say something along those lines too that... Uh, you know, you don't just get to ride away into the sunset. So Boba Fett's like, well, why not change the game? Why not elevate my status? Why not flip the script and be the one who has to put, who puts bounties on on other people? So let's, but let's hear his motivation as he gets into it right now. The Tuscans took me in, made me part of their tribe. I was ready to leave hunting behind. People like us don't get to decide when we're finished. Ah. There we go. All right. So, again, we finally get a little bit more clarity on why Boba's doing what he's doing. And, again, he's kind of sticking to what he knows. But why not be the guy, why not be the shot caller, the signal caller, and, and be the one who, who makes things happen and maybe flips the script on, on some of these criminal empires? Uh, it's sort of at this point that 
it, it you know, again, if it hasn't, if I hadn't, <laughs> we haven't talked about it uh, maybe in any any depth, but I know, you know, months ago when we were looking forward to the show, when, when we were still waiting with bated breath for the first trailers, you know, we, we openly speculated on, on this podcast that, uh, you know, how much I was looking forward to sort of a deep dive into the Star Wars criminal underworld. And we really haven't gotten that with that series, with this series. And, and while I am a little disappointed in that, um, I, I honestly, looking at what I'm getting, I, I don't, I, I can't say I'm too surprised, you know, because it, it's, it's still in the same vein as the Mandalorian, right? Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's good, simple storytelling, that Western motif still intact uh, with an infusion of, of, you know, Japanese influences, Asian culture influences. And, and so, yes, we're, I, we're getting, I think what we were, we were, are supposed to be getting, I think my expectations for maybe what the show could have been, or maybe a tad too high for, for what they were going to do over the course of a seven episode season. And, and again, I've accepted that. And I'm hoping that by the end of this run, that, that a lot of fans who are still sort of railing against the show uh, will begin to appreciate what they were seeing and what they got. You know, it, it also reminded me that a lot of the times during the Mandalorian's run, uh, the, there were people plenty critical of those episodes, of, of those episodes, in both in season one and in season two, uh, about how you know a lot of it, a lot of those early episodes they felt like side quests. They felt like you know Din Djarin has an obstacle to overcome, and now he's going to do a job so he can get you know money for the ship or blah blah blah. And you know it, it was it was. It was sort of it was sort of attacked for the for that, but by the season finale of season one and by the season finale of season two, most of us uh, were you know by the, at the season one we were screaming in elation at at the at the revel, at the reveal of of, Darth, of Moff Gideon having the dark saber, you know at the end of season two we were sobbing our faces off at the return of Luke Skywalker. Um, so I, again, I urge patience. We still have what do we have five, six, and seven to go. Three episodes. Uh, to, to kind of see if this show's going to land uh, in the way that we want it to. And while I don't think it's going to have the, the heavy emotional impact uh, as the story of a father and son, like the way The Mandalorian did, I, I still think there's plenty of time to get an emotionally satisfying conclusion out of the show. Let's see it where we go. Let's see what happens. There's, there's still a lot to unravel. Now, as we, as we prepare to transition into the next section of the episode, which is Fennec and Boba Fett infiltrating Jabba's palace to recover his fire spray gunship, Gotta get a name. Gotta workshop that, bud. Gotta workshop it. Fennec and Boba Fett then infiltrate Jawa's palace after looking at a detailed hollow schematic of the place that they've acquired through one of Fennec's small little droids that fits in the butt of her rifle because that's pretty awesome. Uh, and then we infiltrate through the kitchen. There's an EV-99 unit in there. We got a chef droid that we saw, I think, from Attack of the Clones who goes all General Grievous on, on Boba Fett before getting his head sliced off by Fennec Shand. Uh, a, a, a funny-ish sort of moment with Boba Fett pursuing a, a, the small little droid that comes in there to catch the rat. Uh, but we've seen that droid before, too, in episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Uh, but nice to see them in, in a live-action series. Uh, I, I actually really did enjoy the part where it just turns itself off <laughs> rather than be uh, deactivated permanently from Boba Fett. And <laughs> that amused me, I will, I will admit. Uh, and then we get the good action sequence as they, you know, storm the hangar to to take his fire spray gunship out and and get it out, get it out of the hangar. Obviously, the plan gets more complicated. The guards come rushing in. It's a big shootout. You know, folk, uh, the ship's sort of stuck. He can't turn in and use the weapons. 
Uh, but Fennec Shan's on the way. Fennec Shan saves the day. And they make their escape with his fire spray gunship. And uh, it's, it's really cool to see that ship uh, kind of taking off from Jabba's palace and, and flying across the desert of, of Tatooine. Like, that's such a, I thought it was a really nice visual, the way it looked. It looked really, really cool. And uh, the, sounds that, the, the, the sounds of that ship are so uh, distinct and iconic at this point that it just was really, really nice. And then uh, once on board the ship, Fennec and Boba have a little, little uh, catch-up session, and we find out what Fennec wants for now. Now your debt is paid. Where would you like to be dropped? Where are you headed? I have a few scores to settle on. I'll go for the ride. So first up on the payback list is the is the uh, I'm sorry the Kintan Striders the swoop gang that he believes killed the Tusken Raiders, but I think I think there is good reason to doubt that that is actually the case and that the Kintans the Kintan Striders were actually framed for the murder of the of the Tusken Raiders, but we'll see if that bears fruit in the final three episodes or not, and uh, then it's off to the Sarlacc pit where Boba Fett will attempt to. Well, you know, it's sort of <laughs> it was a little interesting when they got to the Sarlacc pit. I'm not gonna lie, because I wonder is like, is he just gonna blow up the Sarlacc pit for you know him falling into it, and he's just mad about it still? And and you know, we sort of wondered, and I sort of wondered, I should say, uh, back on, in the first episode, in the first chapter of the book of Boba Fett, when when Boba escapes and crawls his way, you know, he uses the flamethrower to escape the gullet of the Sarlacc, and then claws his way up through the sand. And I had sort of wondered if if he killed the Sarlacc in that process because I would have thought like the tendrils would have been flailing around trying to recover its lost meal. I get, perhaps it was, it was too busy trying to repair the and heal itself from the damage that Boba Fett inflicted on it. Uh, because I was, I was, I wasn't sure if they were just looking into the, into the maw of a dead Sarlacc or if, if there was, if, if, if it was going to come to life. And so of course it comes to life and it does in fact confirm uh, what we also speculated and wondered about, which version of the Sarlacc was this? Was this, you know, the old school Sarlacc? The old unaltered Sarlacc? Or is this the special edition Sarlacc? It is, of course, the special edition Sarlacc with that giant beak that protruded out as it comes and clings on and attacks, trying to break into the, into the, 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 uh, the, 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 the transparential dome of his fire spray gunship to once again reclaim Boba Fett as his delicious, delicious prize. Uh, he's he's like a Turkish delight. He's so so gosh darn tasty that the Sarlacc can't go on without him. Uh, but instead, we get we get to see a struggle because what Boba Fett's actually doing is he's trying to peer down in there to find his armor, which again is a little confusing, because again our flashback sequences are framed from Boba Fett's point of view, from his memories, from his perspective. Now I get it; he's unconscious in Chapter One when we when we sort of see him burst out of the uh, Sarlacc pit. But what we see as the audience is him getting rolled by Jawas and then pilfering his armor. So if we're seeing that through his memories, why does he think that he left his armor in the Sarlacc? It's a little confusing. It's a little strange. It's, it's one of the problems that you have when you're, when you're trying to tell a flashback from, from one character's certain point of view, as, as we uh, Star Wars fans all know. 
But so, so it's, again, I guess I'll just say it's confusing because as the audience, we know he got rolled by Jawas. So him, you know, trying to use his fire spray gunship to peer down into the, the black maw of the Sarlacc pit, the great pit of Carcoon. Um, we're like, you're wasting your time, bro. The Jawas rolled you. They took it. It's gone. It's, it's, in, in, it's on Cobb Vanth. Cobb Vanth's wearing it right now in Mos Pelgo. And then uh, boo, boo, boo to you. <laughs> but instead, we get we again. It's it, it, I like the sequence very much with with the Sarlacc and and the fire spray locked in in battle with each other, and and Fennec ultimately releasing a, a seismic charge that will roll off the ship into the Great Pit of Carcoon and ultimately kill the Sarlacc. Again, maybe another little bit dose of payback from Boba Fett for for trying to slowly digest him over the course of a thousand years, and and uh, now. The Sarlacc is definitely dead, right? I don't think the Sarlacc's gonna shake that one off. That's way better, way worse than a than a flamethrower through one of your like abdomen walls. Uh, not that the abdomen wall thing sounds much fun either, but yeah. So there, there, there we have it, and and we sort of get to uh, I don't know. It, it it is kind of exciting to see the death of the Sarlacc, I suppose. Uh, and then we get one more little chit chat, fireside conversation between Fennec Shand and Boba Fett. Are you serious about forming your own house? How many times have you been hired to do a job that was avoidable? They only took the time to think. How much money could have been made? How many lives could have been saved? Then you and I would be out of work. I'm tired of our kind dying because of the idiocy of others. We're smarter than them. It's time we took our shot. We? Yes. And here's when Boba makes his pitch and and tries to, to lure Fennec to his side by offering something that he's been talking about since the first chapter. If I'm going to start a house, I need brains and muscle. You have both. It's tempting. But I'm an independent contractor. I'll do jobs for you, but I value my freedom. I can offer you something no client ever has. What's that? Loyalty. I will cut you in on the success and pledge my life to protect yours. So Fennec's response to this offer uh, is amusing, uh, but it also, again, it could be foreshadowing of, of her betrayal because she thinks that she can take advantage and take out Boba Fett when... The time is on is right for her, uh, or again, this could be another red herring, uh, or or ju- even just an effort to persuade Boba Fett that this plan is not very good. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I am again. We got three chapters to see what happens between these two, uh, but let's let's go ahead and hear that response right now, and then finish out the the flashback. Living with the Tuscans has made you soft. No, it's made me strong. You can only get so far without a tribe. So this is the moment right here where where the Boba Fett from our, our memories, from our, our imaginations, uh, kind of ends. No more the lone bounty hunter, you know, on the frontier, living by his own code. Uh, this is him starting a house, starting, a, by extension, a tribe and a family. 
and and living for others, promising, vowing himself to others, and and uh, taking others into his responsibility, into his care. Um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic shift. Uh, and again, we we saw something familiar for an old school fan like I am. We saw a similar shift happen to Boba Fett. Eventually, it took a lot longer to get to this point for him in the expanded universe, but eventually. He he's he's wooed back to to the Mandalorians, uh, and 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 takes up their cause to help restore Mandalore, uh, but it t- it takes a long time for him to be persuaded. I, I I sort of like the impetus that his near death experience here with the Sarlacc, his his uh, salvation at the hands of the Tusken Raiders, uh, that these things had a dramatic effect on on his mentality and his perspective of life in the galaxy. Uh, again, he's he's still sticking with what he knows—a life in the in the criminal underworld of the of the galaxy, but uh, one that sort of is, is lives a bit more to his own personal code and to what he learned from his time with the Tuscans themselves. So this comes this brings our flashbacks to a conclusion as Boba Fett comes out of the back to tank. This last time, he is told by the droid that he has completed his final back to treatment and he is now fully recovered from from the injuries that he has sustained uh, from the Sarlacc and from various attacks and beatings that we've seen him suffer uh, throughout the first uh, three chapters of the show. And this would also seem to indicate the end of the, of the flashbacks, because if he's not in the back of the chamber, right, he's not going to be dreaming unless, we're, unless we transition to him sleeping and flashing back, which would be kind of funny because I feel like a lot of people have talked about, oh, ooh, this is the end of the flashbacks now because he's not going to be in the back of the chamber anymore. Uh, this also uh, ends our sort of uh, that well, we sort of speculated on last week that there may be actually I think they've been speculating on it for longer than that probably for, probably for the duration of the series that that maybe he was in the tank for for uh, re- unknown reasons maybe there was more going on with Boba Fett's health than we were being led to believe uh, that is clearly not the case at least not at this point and and so we we put that conspiracy theory to be- uh, bed as well with that all right so now uh, we're gonna catch up and talk about what's going on in the present day. And, yeah, we're going to catch up with a big, big Wookiee in a bar causing a lot of trouble. So, yes, we catch up to the Book of Boba Fett's favorite new comic book crossover character, Black Chrysanthemum, uh, as he's sitting in Sanctuary and, and getting drunk and getting angry as he's watching a group of Trendishens, uh, uh profit off of gambling. And they're, they're, they're having a revelry, revelous, joyous, obnoxious good time. And it's really, really pissing off Black Chrysanthemum. And uh, I, I'm sure we all know, just in case anyone out there is new, the, the Trandoshans and the Wookiees, massive, massive enemies, deep history. The Trandoshans would invade uh, 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 Kashyyyk and abduct Wookiees and sell them into slavery. Uh, in, the, in, in the old canon, they, they, they did this to profit a, the, to the Empire. Uh, I think a lot of that has crossed over into the new canon as well. But regardless, that that sort of uh, blood feud between the two species exists in the new canon, regardless of, of the, some of the, the finer details. Uh, so seeing those Trandoshans uh, having a, such a great time really just pisses off Chrysanthemum. And, and so he does what Wookiees do best. Despite the, the sort of calming efforts made by... Um, uh, by sort of uh, appealing to his vanity, right? Like he's getting, he's getting all the information, you know. He's getting soothed, right? They're they're, they're talking him down, Hulk style, 
And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's uh, you know, the sun setting big guy. That's what Garza Flip's doing, basically, to Black Chrysanthemum, trying to appeal to his vanity, trying to appeal to him a little bit to, to like, hey, let's not shed blood in my bar. Uh, and he doesn't kill the Trandoshan. He does, however, do what Wookiees are known for doing, which is uh, pulling an arm out of a socket. Maybe it'll grow back. <laughs> it's a Trandoshan. There's conflicting information about that right now, and it's it set it set fandom on fire a few months ago. So let's see what let's see what happens uh, in, in this uh, this poor Trandoshan's case, or if uh, we're just gonna see a one armed Trandoshan running around in Mos Espa for a little while. Uh, though it, it doesn't go back quickly, so let's put it that way. Uh, but it's out on the streets here, and, and, and Boba Fett witnesses this this, this exchange uh, between between Chrysanthemum and and uh, Garza Flip, and the and the poor the poor Trandoshan, <laughs> and he tracks down Chrysanthemum on the street and has an offer to make. Hey, mate. Looks like you could use a job. All right, so not much going on there, but yeah, Chris Anton now in the employ of Boba Fett. My my question to this, my thought process on this is, I, I definitely one hundred percent believe this could have been handled in last week's episode instead of just setting Chris Anton free. But like, hey, Bub, want to come work for me right now on the spot? You don't have to go run through the desert. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe that that was Boba Fett's kind of penance for Chris Anton was like, hey, go run go, go run through, through the desert, do a couple laps, and and we'll I'll catch up with you later. Uh, I, I definitely 100% think that John, John Favreau was like, I want to have a scene with Black Chrysanthemum in the Sanctuary Bar where he rips off the arm of a Trandoshan. And I'm okay with that. I just, like I said, uh, <laughs> the, the, you could have skipped a step, but again, I think Favreau really wanted this scene to exist. Maybe Robert Rodriguez really wanted this scene to exist. Regardless, we got this scene, and it's, it's still a fun scene. Uh, but you could have saved some time if they wanted to. And now it's time... To go back to Jabba's palace as as we prepare for the sort of meeting of the the families that control Mos Espa, that control Tatooine, uh, we have the Trandoshan family, the Aqualish family, and the Clatoonian families meeting with Boba Fett as, as he sort of tries to appeal to them to stand with him. But if they won't stand with him, they he wants to make sure that they won't stand against him. They won't rally with the Pikes, and. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting scene. Uh, it's It sort of plays out the way we thought it would. You know, Boba Fett doesn't trust them, and they probably don't trust him, or they think he's a fool for this this whole loyalty ploy of his. And and they'll wait and see if the, if the Pikes kill him, and they'll just start doing business with the Pikes. That's sort of what the gist of this is for, the, for, the, for these families, right? They don't want to sacrifice profit in order to, to support Boba Fett. Or the Pikes, like they 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 want to whatever's gonna be the whatever's gonna be the situation, they still want to make sure they're getting their piece of it. What I think they're not realizing is that the Pikes are probably gonna cut them out, and and maybe it'll be another episode or two before they figure that out. But uh, I I could see the Pikes attempting to take over all of Tatooine, take over the entire spice trade on the planet, and and cut these families out before before they try to cut their own throats, and and. Uh, you know, maybe they side with Boba Fett, maybe they'll side on their own, maybe they go to war, maybe the Pikes wipe them out first. There's a lot of scenarios that could play out here. Uh, but the one thing I do really like is the, is that the, this dining room table is, sta- is stationed over the Rancor pit. And and so our new Rancor makes its presence known at a certain point when when uh, when, when the, one of the family members is getting a little uppity with Boba. And the claws come through the table. 
and Boba, you know, he's since he's bonded with the creature, he gives it a down boy and throws it some food. He gives it a, gives it a nice uh, tomahawk steak uh, through through the grates. And yeah, I like that element of it too. No, no, Danny Trejo in this one as as the rancor keeper, but you know what? What can you do about that? As I'm sure you all know, the Pike Syndicate are mustering troops in Mos Espa. They have slowly absorbed our planet as part of their spice trade. They have bribed the mayor and are draining Tatooine of its wealth. We make many credits from the sale of spice in our territories. And why do you deserve to be the Daimyo? What prevents us all from killing you and taking what we want? Easy boy. Easy. There's that sweet tomahawk steak for him. Oh yeah, there's a rancor in that pit. Boba Fett's got some teeth, literally, on his side. Not that Black Crescent doesn't have a fierce set of choppers as well, but that rancor, that uh, that's, that's that's as good as having a crown right there, isn't it? King the man. So let's go ahead and listen to the last part of of Boba's proposal to the families. Here we go. I speak of conflict when cooperation can make us all rich. <laughs> Master Garfolokwox asks what it is that you are proposing. I am proposing that all the families of Mos Espa join in a defensive alliance until the Pike Syndicate is vanquished. They have only challenged your territory. Why should we spill the blood of our ranks for a feud waged between you and the Pikes? Yes. Then I will fight these battles alone. I will vanquish these interlopers who threaten our planet. I will make the streets safe again. So all in this room can prosper. All I ask in return is that you remain neutral if the Pike Syndicate approaches you to betray me. Spoilers, they all agree, at least to Boba Fett's face. The interesting line I found there was, was Boba Fett's claim to make the streets safe. Now, I, I think Boba Fett may, believes that. I'm not sure if these other families are all that interested in maintaining this, the, the, streets, the safety of the streets for the average citizens of Mos Espa. But, again, we, we, we haven't really gotten into, into those kind of nitty-gritty details as far as how these syndicates were in their operations and their sort of view of the the, the day-to-day lives of the, the Mos Espa citizens, uh, so I don't want to I don't want to parse too much into that one, but yes, eventually our, our 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 hero gets the agreement that he's looking for that they'll at least at the very least remain neutral. But how can you trust the word of a bunch of guys who run crime families? I mean, you can't, can you? And now for our closing moments of the show, let's turn it back over once again to Finnick and Boba Fett as they realize <laughs> they can't trust these fools. Do you trust them? I trust them to work in their own self-interest. My deal is a lot better than what the Syndicate would offer. They may be stubborn, but 
They are not foolish enough to see that the Pikes would eventually take over the whole planet. Either way, we must prepare for war. Oh, yes. How much treasure do we have in reserve? I have plenty of credits. What I'm short on is muscle. Credits can buy muscle. If you know where to look. And the haunting, yet oh so familiar, music of Din Djarin fills the room. What a delight. What a tease. Are we getting Din Djarin? Are they, are they teasing us a little bit? Are we getting other Mandalorians for hire? Who's to say? But we got three episodes to go. We seem to be firmly now entrenched in, in the syndicate war that's coming our way between Boba Fett's new house, the Pike Syndicates. We'll see if the Aqualish, the Trandoshans, or the Klaatuinians get involved on either side for or against Boba. Uh, again, there's a lot at stake at this point. There's a lot of questions we have to get answered, and we have to wait and see what's going to happen. we got three more chapters to go, and listen, it's going to be a wild, wild ride, I think, especially now that we're firmly entrenched. in this. I love the flashbacks. Do not mistake me. But now that we are sort of in this present timeline, I think the story is going to, going to uh, uh, step up a pace a notch or two in its pacing and its, its action sequences as well. We'll hopefully get to see Boba do some serious, serious damage, lay the smack down on some pike butts, um, and, and that would be a great, joyous occasion for us all, right? Because I'm, I'm getting a little sick of uh, the argument that Boba has not whooping enough butt. You know, when people post some videos of all the, all the Stormtrooper butt he kicked in Season 2 of The Mandalorian and how he's getting tossed around by an eight-foot-tall Wookiee. Like, I mean, I'm like, listen... I mean, you know, stormtroopers are, you know, not that they're not fierce in, in their own right, but I mean, an eight foot tall Wookiee, I mean, that's, that's, that's some serious mojo right there that you gotta, you gotta work against to make that one happen. So <laughs> that's what's going on there. I, I dug this episode. I liked it a lot. I, they spent a little bit, I, I think they spent a little bit too much time in the flashbacks, um, but that's okay. It, by and large, the episode works in, in so many ways for me at the very, very least, but I'm not the harshest critic of this, of this show. Like I said, I have my quibbles, I have my nits to pick, uh, and I've shared them all with you. I don't know how you all feel if I'm being um, uh, just just a nitpicky son of a gun, or 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 if I'm valid at all. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're getting the book of Boba Fett. We're getting Boba Fett. We're getting Star Wars, and by and large, that is what makes me the happiest. But again, let's have a discussion. Let's have a chat. Let's break it down. What did you all like about this one? What didn't you like? What did you think of Fennec? Do you think she's going to betray Boba? I mean, where, where, where are we all headed with this? And, and, and what do you think is happening? I still suspect it's a red herring, but I, again, we, the, the, the clues are there for the betrayal of, of Fennec Shand against Boba Fett. We, we will see. We will see what happens. Uh, what, are there more characters to, to debut in the series? We get some more uh, characters from other elements of the lore to pop up in the series. Are there familiar faces? I mean, does, does, are there more members of the, of the Max Rebo band still alive? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I, I dig this one. I don't know if I can rank it in buckets per se. It's still a little fresh. I mean, I'm, I'm going to click it around for, I think I'm going to click around eight-ish eight -ish buckets for this one. You know, a lot of setup stuff in, the, in this back half of it, but I'm really intrigued by what's going to happen moving forward. The idea of them hiring muscle. I know a lot of fans are also wanting, and again, we hear the Mandalorian music, uh, uh, the, the, the Din Djarin sort of theme, right? That seems to be the indication. 
I know a lot of fans want to see sort of like the, the recreation of the Death Star Bridge from Empire Strikes Back. You know, they want to see Forlom and Zuckus and Dengar and Bosk uh, and IG-88. But, you know, if we're, if we're holding to Star Wars canon, these characters, some of them have, have, have met a very interesting fate in the comic books. Uh, and so, so, I mean, don't hold your breath on that one, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Though, though Bosk's showing up because uh, we find out that Chris Anton just tore off his uncle's arm would be interesting. <laughs> but well, who's to say? Who's to say? All right, that is Chapter 4, The Book of Boba Fett, The Gathering Storm. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm going to watch it again tonight. Cannot wait. Um, 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 and that's the show. That's Mandivision for today. Sorry so much about that stumble right there at the end. My goodness. Uh, <laughs> you know where to find us on social media. Uh, we are at, uh, at Mando underscore Vision, Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, sharing this show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. It means so much to me that we are in all the coverts. I want to be in every covert in every city, in every town, from here to Tatooine. Uh, I think it'd be very, very cool if we could do that. Super, super rad. If you have the time and the inclination, five-star reviews are insanely helpful, too. In our battle against the evil of the, tier, of the, uh, of the algorithm, uh, that is Emperor Palpatine's evil algorithm that's attempting to keep us down and silence our voices forever. So please, five-star reviews are badass. I love them. I don't, I don't, I don't say BA on here too often, but I'm dropping it right now. Thank you for, for those of you who have done them already. Thank you so much once again. Uh, we got a Patreon going on. If you want to become an official MandoVision Maniac, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash MandoVision. You can join the Maniacs and gain access to sweet bonus content like our newly released James Bond No Time to Die review episode. It was a lot of fun. I sat down with uh, with my brother, my brother Mark, and and we we uh, we just we got into sort of the, the entire Daniel Craig run. Basically, uh, obviously we we're very focused on No Time to Die, but we we talked about uh, my insane love for Casino Royale and, and the other elements of the Bond films, uh, particularly in, in Daniel Craig's uh, four four film arc, four or five. I, I've already lost track, but it's a good episode. And if you're on the if you're a Vision maniac at the at the appropriate tier, you can check out that episode too. Thank you so much to our current Patreons. The Aspen Hill Chody, The Batman of Bayho, Jeff Nail, Jeff co-hosts The Ringineer, a great music podcast. Please check them out. Thanks to the Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles. The Squidmaster General, Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pariah Brewing Company, here in San Diego and coming soon, in days, to Baltimore, Maryland. The Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops, the silent assassin, he who should not be named, Syndicate Ram, the co-host of the Come On, It's So Good podcast, a movie-based podcast that I am a big fan of as well. Thank you all, you Mandivision Maniacs, and enjoy the new bonus episode out this week. Uh, we will be back for Star Wars The Clone Wars Rewatch Mondays, and then on, hopefully on Wednesday, but maybe Thursday next week, for the next chapter, Chapter 5 of the book of Boba Fett. All right, let's get out of here, Maniacs. This podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Bounty hunting is a complicated profession.